Hey, welcome. It's Food News and Choose Radio. So, so we know Sylvia's out this week. Sylvia's out. So it's just me and you, Jeremy. Nobody's gonna hurt these cats. That's right. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. I yeah. What do we talk about? Let's talk food. Let's talk food. Okay. So one of the stories I saw this week, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, was the avocado story. Yeah. So the background is on this past Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Right. The federal government put a temporary ban on the importation of avocados from Mexico, correct? Right. Now, don't know how long what it's What do they be. want in return? Right. I, well, I guess part of the problem was that avocados in Mexico have been the target of cartels. Uh, drug cartels. Drug cartels and avocado cartels. Right, because, I mean, because American, uh, like, you know, appetite for avocados has, what, at least, like, gone a thousand times percent in yeah. 10 to 15 years? And I'm pretty sure that at some point, avocados started making more money than drugs. Yeah, I think you're right. So, a lot of people were in danger. They were, uh, avocado farmers were being kidnapped. They were having their families held hostage. And the, the people were using the phrase blood avocado at some point. So this has gotten to be like olive oil and black truffles and all these other kind of black market ingredients. Avocados yeah. are now part of that. And we're fighting it with embargoes. And, 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 and yeah, because uh, a, a U.S. food inspector basically yeah. got a death threat uh, oh. because they I, something like they stopped a shipment or something. There was something like that. And the U.S. government said, nope, we're putting a temporary ban on the importation of avocados from Mexico. So hit them where it hurts. Yeah. So now there's still avocados coming from California. But only 20% of the, the avocados we eat in this country yeah. are domestic avocados. So what you're basically saying is, one, I'm not going to be able to get avocados at the restaurant. But two, like you're not going to get 50 cent guacamole from Chipotle and stuff. Anymore. Yeah, they, they, they think it's going to drive the prices up. Now, it's, it's obviously it's a story that's still it's still kind of developing because mm-hmm. it's only. But what's the irony is it they did it just minutes before or maybe minutes after there was a. Uh, avocado commercial yeah on the super bowl they yeah. paid seven million dollars from it it was an avocados from mexico commercial right and they do it every year but as the commercial was airing you couldn't get <laughs> you can't get mexican avocados no. now again you know this could change at any moment and it was a temporary ban but it's still it's it, have you seen it have has it have you seen any crazy price increases in oh really anything but an avocado gosh, it's just all over the board right now um you know cream cheese does not exist like go to the store and get cream cheese why i dare you try why um so from a wholesale standpoint you know the, we get three pound block cream cheese mm-hmm. so that's been gone for a good while and i think all the byproducts of that are starting to dwell and i heard several months ago there was a plant shut down temporarily and i don't know why it would cause ripples six months later or whatever it is but uh you just can't get cream cheese that's nuts um you know and then as as supply goes down the price goes up do the prices ever really go back down not all the way it never no. seems right no, it never comes back to where it was. Yeah, so yeah, there's uh, right now shortening in oils are, are really, really crazy. Um, and then just availability is very sparse. Um, and I've really, that's been really confusing to me over the past few, two years. You know, it's almost grapes of wrathish where, you know, we've let things rot in the fields, yeah. you know, if not sold at a profit. Kind Do of you thing. see, you know, I, 
so there's a lot of factors. There's obviously the pandemic, which shut a lot of things down. Mm-hmm. Then there's hyperinflation that's causing things to go up in price. And then there's trucker strikes, which are causing things to, you know, and, you know, and, tr- and also uh, not enough truckers, yeah. you know, it's not, not to blame the truckers, but it, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into getting the cream cheese from the cow's udder in onto your plate exactly and i i think a lot of times we think it's the factory or the farm right. a lot of times it's the distribution channel. yes the supply That's, chain it's a supply chain issues it's not yeah. really you know the we're still making cream cheese at philadelphia or craft is you know and they're pumping it out but i just don't know if they're getting it you know where it needs to go what do you get so so that and that's why if you see things you know okay let me say this first off be patient and be kind when you go to a restaurant yeah. Everybody's overworked. Everybody's on. Everybody's understaffed. Yeah, and we Be really cool. don't have a whole lot of answers. No, and that's another thing. There are factors we don't understand. Like, why is it so hard to hire people right now? I don't know. There's just a, there's a lot in the mix here. So, um, but you know, we're trying to keep light at heart and 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 do what we can with what we have. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and as long as I think your restaurant's trying to be accommodating. You know, you be accommodating as well because the availability is just going to be sparse for a little while. And I think we're going to see that on into late summer from the food standpoint. That's what I'm getting from the top down, if you know what I mean. They're telling me, my wholesale purveyors are saying this is going to be a rough road till about June or July. And also, let's, uh, to I don't know who needs to hear this, but let me just say, if you order food and it's not a, your wings are cold or you get DoorDash and your, your fries are soggy. Don't jump on the Lexington Food and Dining page and start blasting people. <laughs> can we can we all just stop that for a little bit? Because that, <laughs> and I do like the way they will the people on the page because that's a big that that Lexington Food and Dining page is a is maybe the most controversial thing in town. Right. I do like the way when someone does that they they will then jump on that person and be like. Hey man, everyone, it's hard for everybody. Deal with it. Right. No, I, I think I think a lot of people understand it and a lot of people but a lot of people still need to get their gripes out. And I get it, man. The world's just not working in your favor right now. Things just not working the way you want them to. But like I tell my kids, man, if the worst thing if that's the worst thing that happens to you all day, it's been a pretty good day. Exactly. So, you know, one of the things we did, you know, about a product availability is, is kind of go back to 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 basics like yeah. we're, we're making handmade pasta right because yeah. we know we can get eggs i know i can get flour those are some things i can actually count on right now so you know we're, we're kind of going back to you know taking um you know we, we might even churn our own butter in the next like month or so really because you know, the guys want to get hyper um what do you want to call it just sufficient sustainable yeah they're like i'm tired of not this not showing up chef what do we do about it i'm like well you know i don't have any whipped cream i'm like well do you have cream and they're like yeah but it comes in a can i'm like i just do that because it's you know we're understaffed and it's easier but you realize that you can make whipped cream so that's almost like hyper craft right where you're into like we not only do we you know we we locally source our own butter and our own whipped cream. Yeah, we, we make it. And then when you, you know, you can put that on the on the menu, like locally, you know, locally handmade butter. Right. So, like, what what else can you do that with? Obviously, um, butter, whipped cream, stuff like that, but pasta. Yeah, I mean, the pasta one we're doing right now is pretty in-depth, but, you know, we can we can make our own starters, you know, for, for, for bread. We can make yeah. our own doughs and just, you know, baking all of your buns. There's just a whole lot of basics you can get back to. You're going to start, like, grinding your own flour? 
Uh, we do grind some whole wheat flour. Um, <laughs> there's actually a, a, if you guys don't know about this, have you seen the mill attachment for the KitchenAid mixer? I've seen it. I don't. I, is okay, it, I is have it, one. Is it good? Really? Yeah, yeah. You have, it has several different settings you can <coughs> dial in for the coarseness of your grain, but this thing will mill like a beast. It takes a little while. It's not super fast. Sure. I mean, just if you look at the oscillation of a or the motor of a KitchenAid mixer, it's not like it's just spinning like crazy. It's not going to shoot it out like a leaf blower or a wood chipper, right? But it does grind nice and slow, and you can get some really cool artisanal products out of it if you want to make your own or grind your own own flour. Well, you at home. can you can. For years and years, we've been like, well, this is the flour at the grocery store, so this is what I'm going to use. Right. But you can go, I want a coarse grind on this. I want. I, I will say, for anyone who, and anyone who listens to the show probably knows this, but for anyone who's ever looking for any kitchen device, the one thing I would say is the KitchenAid mixer. Yeah, that's And I it. know there are other brands, but for me, the KitchenAid mixer, I have so many attachments for my KitchenAid mixer mm-hmm. that it replaces machine like i have the ice cream maker i have the sausage stuffer right. i have the grinder the grinder works great the grinder is money the one that you don't want is the pasta machine attachment really? i don't think they work very well but i've got the machine that works so you guys are doing extruded pasta yeah, extruded right? pasta yeah and, and honestly I, uh, for the restaurant i bought a, a home version it's a phillips pasta plus machine mm-hmm. have you seen this thing i have it's a countertop yeah, a countersaw, maybe size of a large toaster. It's pretty light. You can put it away pretty easy, but it's also attractive if you have the counter space, so to speak, right? What I like about this is, you know, when I get home to cook, I need to crank things out. You know, I'm kind of like a Rachel Ray's 30-minute meal man because, you know, it's already 8 or 9 o'clock or we know we got to make something quick. So this thing, I'm talking like by the time the water is boiling from the, you know, that you poured to boil pasta in, you can have pasta made from scratch. How, explain the difference. And what I mean is like for growing up, most of us grew up on dry pasta, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a great product. There's great products. There's really good dry pastas out there. There's some not They're good great, dry pastas. Yeah. But explain the difference when you make a fresh, fresh pasta right there. Um, you know, uh, kudos to all dry pasta because they're really good. There's nothing wrong with them. They're In fact, courses. there's some some of the noodles I prefer over fresh. Like mm-hmm. you're talking about spaghetti mm-hmm. and angel hair. I think it's best to dry those out. 100% semolina. Because they you have, can't get al dente on fresh pasta, it, right? It's hard. It, it, yeah. You got a small window there, you yeah. know, and to shock it and get, you know, so I think the, the dry pasta works for that. But, um, you know, I think it all boils down to a difference in texture. Um, and the machine I use, we use just 100% semolina flour. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it is you open the lid and it, you pour the flour in and it weighs it. It's measuring for you. Oh, wow. So once you hit two cups, right, you close the lid and then it does its calculation and tells you how much liquid to add. So it's really cool. You just, if you want to make a cup of, you know, throw a cup of flour in there, it spits out how much water you need to add to that. So, and essentially, for one cup of flour, you use one egg, and that's in you know in and on and on, right? For making, so, yeah. So, and let's say in this machine, I pour two cups of semolina flour in there. I close the lid. It says, "Okay, you need 200 milliliters." So I do. I crack two eggs into a measuring cup, and then I fill up to the 200 milliliter mark with water, mm-hmm. and, and and add that to the top of the machine and press play. It mixes it for you, and then just starts pushing it out with the dye that you've selected. 
So and literally, you get to cut it, you get to like like do the yeah, thing, the thing. I you get love to do it. that, you get to slice it off. Exactly. So it's a really fun process that you can do at home. Um, and if you don't really want to take this task on, what I, what I think I like about this machine is I've got lots of cool pasta recipes. I usually use about one part or um, one part all-purpose flour to two parts semolina. Mm-hmm. And that creates a little bit of lighter, fluffier texture than the 100% semolina. Just kind of a softer feel to the to the pasta, right? Um, uh, but this one I like because you you, you don't really have to, to think too much. Yeah. You just, whatever amount of flour you add in there, it's going to tell you exactly how much water to add. Because the hydration ratios on pasta are very difficult to deal with. Yeah. When you're extruding noodles, it's a lot drier than you think it is. You honestly want it crumbly it's crumbly yeah because yeah. once it pushes out imagine if you had a wet tacky noodle and, and there's like 10 noodles coming out of one hole they stick together they just they just immediately kind of smack together and you're never going to get them extruded pasta so from growing up making pasta i like making pasta fresh yeah. the difference between a a fresh pasta a, a, or i'll say a cut pasta yeah. like a, a spaghetti an angel hair any kind of asian noodle and extruded pasta is compression right so when you're making spaghetti by hand, or when you're making you know a, a cut noodle by hand, it's about kneading, building gluten, and slicing. Mm-hmm. When you're making an extruded pasta, it's not about building gluten. It's about compressing yeah. the, the the pasta together. And it, it, you you you're right. It looks drier than you think. It's almost like pie dough, where it's kind of sandy before mm-hmm. you add water to it. Right. And the difference between fresh and dry pasta, honestly, is just time. Yeah. All it really is, like if you took your you extruded spaghetti noodles and you set them out on the counter for, you know, or you air dried them on the little hanger thing for, I don't know, 20 minutes to a couple hours, you've now got dry pasta. I think most now, of the, the people the who The wet pasta cooks very quickly. You can, you know, you're, yeah. you throw it in the water and two minutes later you're eating. If you've ever tried to make pasta at home and it didn't work out, I'm guessing it's because your dough was too wet. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. More than likely. And if you didn't like the texture, you probably don't have a machine. You probably hand rolled it and did hand cut noodles. And, you know, that's pasta by hand is great. A lot of times we call those, it's dumplings. You know, the the extruded pastas are the noodles and tubes and shapes that you're probably really looking for. Yeah. Um, You know, being able to, to roll out noodles flat and cut them by hand and still have a really good texture that doesn't taste like just kind of like Amish noodles. Yeah, you know, butter noodles is hard. And, and yeah. they're good for things like chicken and dumplings. Right. That, they're soup noodles. They're soup noodles, yeah. right? They're, they're meant to stand up to being in broth for a long time, right? Now, here's here's my idea. If there's anything I've ever learned about people, it's that people love to spend money to make things themselves. That someone totally. can make for them. What I'm saying is, you buy another pasta machine. You put it in the front of the restaurant. Yeah. Hey, for five extra dollars, you can make your own pasta tonight. I'm telling you, they they'll line up. It's like I'm making my own spaghetti and I'm putting like cocoa powder in it, right. chocolate spaghetti. A build your own spaghetti bar. Milk, literally make your own spaghetti. I like it. Yeah. Are you guys making a hundred percent of your own pasta in the house now? Right now we are. Uh, I just ordered some more dyes for like pakiri and um, some mm. elbow macaroni and yeah. some shells and some other dyes that you don't noodles. But I've got a little chef series. All right, so March first at six thirty p.m. Mm-hmm. If you like fresh pasta, you like what we're talking about, artisanal foods made by hand, this is a good dinner for you. I got four pastas from four Italian regions. And what we're doing is I'm taking my chefs through a tour of all 20 regions of Italy, and we're picking the most prominent pasta from each region. Oh, wow. So 
number one uh, of this Italian tour, Four Pastas, Four Regions, is March 1st at 6.30 p.m., and we're doing Campania, Tuscany, Sicily, and Lombardy. Um, from Campania, I'm doing, this is all handmade pasta too, Linguini Ascoglio, which is Linguini pasta, which will made and extrude fresh. I'm going to do lots of fresh mussels and shrimp mm. and squid and garlic and tons of white wine and lots of extra virgin olive oil and dress those noodles for course one. Next one is lasagna bastarde from Tuscany, which we're going to make with ground, or I'm going to use the mill. Yeah. We're going to grind uh, chestnut flour. So this is chestnut flour pasta. And all I'm going to do is make sheets and cut that into little random triangles. Explain pasta explain because it's called you know it's called uh, uh lasagna bastardo right yeah, bastardo bastardo i'm not very good with italian these yeah. guys so but explain the difference because we think lasagna here it's five layers of noodles five layers of ricotta little sauce explain the difference because lasagna in italy is a completely different animal yeah i think what we're talking about here is the the style of noodle which would be like a flat sheet would mm-hmm. be the lasagna and this one is not a layered lasagna this is a a, a, a chestnut noodle that's flat mm-hmm. and i'm going to cut it in the triangles because that seems to be traditional and they'll be kind of bite-sized like you would have hand-torn dumplings in your chicken and dumplings yeah. you know those little slick them downs yes that's kind of what this noodle is but a little bit you know more elegant because it will be pushed through an extruder and, and very thin uh but we'll, that'll be made from ground chestnut flour and just just a little bit of water i'll probably put a little pecorino in the flour too I've for a little cheese chestnut flour pasta right so we're gonna boil that off and i'm just dressing it with lots of olive oil lots of crushed black pepper and just tons of pecorino romano very basic maybe a little chopped parsley on top but that's tuscany right there and by the way pecorino romano for people you know everyone loves parm and parm is great pecorino romano which is a sheep's cheese sheep's smoked cheese has such a, a it imparts my grandmother, who was from Italy, only used pecorino romano. She so did good. not use parmesan. Right. It was, it's it's a better cheese, I think, for pasta. It's it's pretty awesome. You know, there, I I think there's a definite difference. And then Asiago ain't so bad either. You know, sure. it has a good flavor profile. Change it up, guys. Blend yeah. them together. I don't care. Just <laughs> just don't get the green stuff that shelf dry, stable the gr- yeah the, 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 the sand yeah you know what i'm talking about the, I know it's wax is it's, what it yeah, is it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't even say cheese on there it usually says like <laughs> process blah 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 cheese product yeah all right so you that that's two of the four give me the other two spaghettini alla norma that's a alla norma's classic um and typically refers to a, a, a tomato marinara sauce made with eggplant mm-hmm. right and i love that so i'm gonna i'm gonna be you know stewing down eggplant and lots of fresh tomatoes, anchovies, um, mm-hmm. lots of fresh basil, and then chilies, crushed red pepper. So there's going to be a spicy pasta with, you know, thin spaghetti, spaghettini, right? Mm. That's just class. Sicily, man. The, Come on. I don't mean to keep interrupting, but when you talk about pasta, the uh, you talk about the, like the sardines and the, you know, the... When there is a flavor in your pasta, you I, I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. It's generally like um, like a like a sardine, like a, like a canned fish, right? Because it imparts such an umami flavor. Right. With Parmesan cheese, it it, it it's so it's a it's an umami bomb. It's so good. I remember when my dad would start the you know the marinara at home and be onions and garlic and just tons of olive oil and they'd be sweating and all of a sudden he put a clump of anchovy in there. Yeah. You know, it just kind of dissolves into it. You Even don't as know a kid, I'm like, that's gross, but. No. Then you taste and like, yeah, throw the anchovy in Throw the anchovy in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the Norma, that's good. Then, then, uh, I don't even know how to say this one. Cassoncelli or Cassoncelli a la Bergamasca. 
And that's dumplings, stuff with beef, sausage, milk, breadcrumbs, <laughs> parsley, and cheese. Oh, wow. And I'm just going to top that with sage brown butter. That's great. Right. Dude, so, I'm geeking. I honestly, yeah. I don't get excited for a lot of things. I'm excited for this. You know, I, I geek out when it comes to this. Four courses of pasta, dude. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, fat kids unite. Let's go. Yes. All right. So, and at the end, I'm just going to give you a, a, a chilled espresso semifredo, like a coffee custard, almost like a coffee creme brulee. Yeah. With the amaretto pistachio biscotti. And then we'll just end the meal. We've got some Italian wines we're tasting right now. We're mm-hmm. kind of bringing to the dinner. You can buy by the glass or by the bottle if you wanted to do the pairing. But this is 50 bucks a person. That's awesome. And this is five courses. That's roughly $10 per course f- to have Chef Jeremy and his crew hand-making every single noodle, every bite of food. Every noodle has touched someone's hand. It has. I'm literally that's, has touched everybody. That's, that's, Maybe several hands. I don't know. I, I think when you when you when you really bite into what a perfectly, you know, we are not used to or accustomed to eating perfectly cooked pasta. It's either too most of the time our pasta is very mushy. In America, we usually overcook it. Yes, I've had some issues lately with fresh pasta in the restaurant because it has an al dente bite, and people mm-hmm. think it's not cooked. Now we're perfectly happy to cook it more. But semolina is going to have a chew versus... Yes, I like that. But I mean, when you bite into like a perfectly cooked... And, a, and also, we over-sauce. A perfectly cooked and a perfectly sauced piece of pasta, right. It's it, it really is a life-changing... It's, it's three ingredients, but it's a life-changing experience. Yeah, it's almost like God is in there somewhere in yeah. the details. When you have something that's so hyper-focused... And such few ingredients that taste like such perfection, you just know you're doing something right. It's almost like you're being, you're, you're peering into perfection. You know, eggs and flour and salt and water that turns into an unbelievable variety of different textures and flavors with, with minimal ingredients. It's, it's, that's what food I think was meant to be. If it yeah. came down from the heavens, this is how it should be. Like, just appreciate the ingredients and and do what it takes to put the spotlight on them and the process because the process. It, it, there's a process to making pasta correctly and it's yeah. not a hard process but right. there's things you got to do you do grandma's food it doesn't taste right when you make it does it from right. her recipe right there's a process right there's a process and it took her a lot longer to do it she wasn't grandma didn't have the internet she wasn't playing on her phone she wasn't no. she was my grandma spent all day rolling out pasta. She was waiting till her ancestors whispered in her ear. Yeah. You know, that's enough, child. Yeah. And she was canning tomatoes. And yeah. it was simple. I still remember my grandmother's tomato posada. You know, it's just jars of tomatoes. Oh, man. You know what I'm going to do this weekend, though, is I, I we've talked. Oh, we, it's like an Italian one we're doing here. But yeah. the, the most popular Internet recipe is Marcella Hazan's tomato sauce. Like, it's New York Times, Food 52, like, it's everybody goes crazy over it. Mm-hmm. It's literally tomato puree and an onion and some butter. There's no basil. There's no garlic. There's no. There's no, there's no red wine. There's no, no. sugar. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make that this weekend. I'm going to make handmade pasta at my house. I'm going to follow that recipe to a T. I'm going to report back. Okay. Because how can really just a canned tomato half of an onion and like a half a well, stick of butter be so friggin good what do you see that but then it boils down to what kind of tomatoes are you using what kind of onion are you you know what i mean like you gotta there's gotta be something to that or is it the process we'll see, find out with my grandpa who again it was from italy it was pork bones oh he put the por- neck and the Yo, bones. yeah, yeah that's bones. where it's at yeah he would that's go to the butcher get it. the cheapest pork yeah. bones they had sometimes they give them to you free yeah you know and he would, that's his tomato sauce. 
always had pork bones in it. Yeah. And it was delicious. My dad, too, started with some pork chops or neck or whatever yep. you could find. That is the way to go, son. 100%. Yeah. All right. I, we, we talked for a half hour about food. It was great. Thanks to uh, David Tudor, Marika Adams from uh, Sullivan. They came in earlier, talked about Sullivan University. It was great. Uh, thank you for joining us. Check out uh, Azure. Uh, AzureRestaurant.com for the, it's March 1st, 6.30. It's the four regions of Italy pasta dinner. You want to go to that. Yeah, call 296-1007 or AzureRestaurant.com. Um, yeah, like you said, March 1st, 6.30 p.m. One of uh, hopefully five in a series. It'll take us a while to get all these done, but we want to learn all these pastas and eat them. Go there and make reservations, and we'll see you next week. It's Food News and Shoes Radio.